Welcome to the How the Why. With John Barrett Ingalls. Exploring and celebrating the creative process and the creative purpose of authors, editors, artists, and publishers that make up and inspire the 1888 family. 1888 serves as a regional catalyst for the preservation, presentation, and promotion of cultural heritage and literary arts. Let's get creative. Hello, and welcome to the How, the Why, brought to you by 1888. My name is John Barrett Ingalls, and today it is uh, my pleasure to reconnect with Lilian Rivera, the, uh, one of our, our judges for the Plaza Literary Prize, uh, author, editor, uh, radio host as well, um, and uh, I'm sure you wear a million other hats as well. But Lilian, thank you for taking the time to join us again. Thank you, and I appreciate that you rolled those R's on my last name. <laughs> well, I was I, I was listening to uh, some of your your radio shows to, in preparation, and I was like, oh man, I have to. I, you you do it such a good job. Well, I mean, obviously it's your name, so I, you of course would pronounce your name well. But I wanted to I wanted to honor the Rivera. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you for having me. Of course. <laughs> Um, so, all right. So, you know, with the other judges and you, I, I, I'm going to, I'm trying to take it back to like, um, the, the beginning, not the beginning of time, because, you know, I don't, the beginning of your experience with the power of the written language, like, uh, I, I, I'm fascinated by, you know, if it was everyone, you know, read stories as a kid, but when did it become like, wow, this is powerful for you? Man, um, I don't know. I feel like I've had many moments throughout my life that, that have wakened me up to that moment, that time where it's like, oh, this is powerful. I mean, I could think of even listening to my father recite poetry like he would read I don't even know who the poets are to be honest but he would just recite poetry in Spanish to us when we were little kids and and that was like maybe the beginning of just even understanding how words can transform people or move time in ways that I didn't think about at the time I thought it was just something that he that every like every father they they were doing that with their kids, like hmm. not just saying not just singing lullabies, but even just memorizing poetry and reciting them. And so he's, I guess, he's the first person that really made me think about words um, and their power. And then even, you know, there will be those moments when you read an author and you'll see and you'll you feel like you're you're being tra- like someone is has seen you, like. Um, and that comes to mind, like I think of Abraham Rodriguez, who wrote this book called Spider Town. He's from, from the Bronx, where I'm from. And I remember reading his book and was just like blown away because he was writing about the neighborhood where I grew up. And everyone seemed familiar. And it was like, I guess, sort of like the first time that I was 
reading someone that captured my neighborhood. And it made me think, oh, I could do that too, maybe, you know, like, oh, it's not just hit, it's not like this hidden power or something that I can't, I don't have access to. Um, Like he did that, Abraham Rodriguez, and so did, um, of course, you know, think about Juno Diaz and, and what he's done. But I also think of like poets like Piri Thomas and from Neorican kind of poetry and those words and it being musical and also powerful at the same time and made me think of these people are representing us or representing a side of us, of, of us um, and that I'm part of that circle as well. When did you start uh, discovering your, your own voice as a writer? I mean, I didn't, I always used to write when I was young, so I always used to walk around with a pen and paper. Um, but I didn't like write short stories or anything. I just wrote whatever was going on. But I didn't start. I I guess when I was in high school, my instructors, my English teachers would tell me that I had something, but I was too ashamed or shy to even pursue it. But I did journalism. Like I was on the school newspaper. <laughs> so I always wrote, and I became like I became a journalist. So I knew I was going to write. But I didn't think I could write fiction. Hmm. I was just like, well, at least I know I could ask questions. <laughs> I could ask questions and write about someone else instead of creating, you know, creating worlds or creating sure. you know, fake people. <laughs> yeah. So I did that for a long time. And how did it translate into fiction? What was that uh, transition like? Um, I think... You know, I I moved out here like 15, 16 years ago to work at in entertainment journalism, and I would take classes, fiction writing classes, once in a while, but never take it very seriously. And then I think I started taking more and more. Um, and then one of my staff positions or whatever, I was like let go, and I was like, you know, I'm going to write a novel now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I was just like. I don't have a job. <laughs> I'm going to do what I was supposed to be doing all the time instead of, you know, fooling around. Um, and that's what that's what pushed me to do it. And I took a class, and it was like writing a novel in 90 days, some, some insane thing. But I did do it in 90 days. I had a completed novel. It's not good, but it just, <laughs> I did something. And right. then I started writing yeah, I started writing short stories and then more, oh, great, more novels. Do you hear that? Sorry. <laughs> no. Okay, good. What was it? Um, what was it? it was, it's a noise, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just so okay, all of so our listeners know, they all, everybody missed our interaction before of you inside of the echo chamber. <laughs> so Lilium is walking around the campus of USC, and so... Um, she couldn't find a quiet place. So there may be ambient noises, but, you know, it's just taking you into the heart of Los Angeles. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and how do you feel like your your style has changed from that first novel, which uh, um, you did in the 90 days, into your short stories, and into, like, uh, the 
the book that you uh, are finished with or are almost over? Are you are you are you done writing the Education of Margot Sanchez or? Yeah, yes. I got a green light that it was going into copy edits, which is the next step after doing some changes to it. So, yeah, um, and that's supposed to come out next year, 2017, um, this spring. Congratulations, um, by the way. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah, that's exciting. I um, how did it change? I don't know. I think like most people, they everyone has you try to copy what other people are doing, and then you find your own voice eventually. Like, I was just like, oh, I'm going to try to write, like, Judy Bloom because I write young adult novels. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. And then I'll be like, oh, I like what Juno Diaz did here. I'm going to try to do that. Or I like what Charles Yu did. I'm going to try to make my own short story. So, I don't know, I get inspired by other writers, and then I I just keep writing until it makes sense. Like, it makes sense, and I still feel like I'm still searching for my voice. I mean, I think... I think my young adult work is good, is strong, I I think. But when it comes to like short stories, like literary short stories or speculative fiction stories, which I like to write as well, I'm still searching for that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I try, I write every day. <laughs> try to keep doing it. How did your work with entertainment journalism uh how did that influence your work as a fiction writer? Yeah, I I think, well, I'm always fascinated. Like the themes that come up all the time with my writing, within my writing, is that I'm always fascinated with those that have and those that have not, and like the rich and the powerful and those just struggling. And that aspect of like selling out or how, how far will a person go to be a part of some some world that doesn't really accept you, right? Hmm. So I feel with with my entertainment work, you know, I would write about these pla- these people or these places, and some of them just seem really kind of just like dystopian world. Like it's not something that is really based on reality in a right. weird way. Like yeah. they have these cir- you know circle of friend like circle of yes people around them, and you know, and I'm really good at writing those kind of writing and trying to get some realness in, in the the profiles that I still do sometimes. Um, and some of them are are very much grounded, but a lot of them aren't. And it's, there is this real aspect, especially when it comes to like reality, reality TV and those kind of people. It's so bizarre. And I just I don't know if it, it definitely influences me in the sense that I'm always, like, my characters are always trying to fit themselves into this kind of world that isn't really, doesn't really exist. It's just really, you know, propped up in, like, flimsiness, you know. And, and mm. so those are the themes I'm kind of always, like, writing about, especially women, just trying to make it into this, even if it's based on reality or contemporary, just trying to make it into, like, some worlds that are totally unattainable, but seem really shiny. Yeah, the world that we see when we go online or turn on the TV, Mm -hmm. and, oh, that's what we're all striving for. Right, right. Those are the clothes I'm supposed to wear, and that's the car I'm supposed to drive. Oh, yeah, I'm a total product of that. I mean, I love... Right. 
fashion. I, you know, I used to write about fashion, so, and I still love that kind of stuff. And you ask me about entertainment, I'll probably still know all the gossip, you know. But but does, it's not it's not reality or what's really going on. <laughs> you know, it's really glossed. And I have this I have this thing about like armor and what people wear, and you know, and even how does that play into the the circles you're trying to get in? So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with those kind of themes. Yeah, I was reading the you know your first little piece that you posted from the education of Margot Sanchez, and one of the first things like I'm on the page right now, and as you're talking about it, she borrows quote unquote borrows her father's credit card to uh, go and try to experience some of that life and buy right. these nice clothes. So it's right there. That that exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I I, I just uh, did a little stint working with a magazine as well, and it's completely different from any other form of writing. And you ask, you know, I was doing the same thing I'm doing now. I'm interviewing people. Mm-hmm. But the people that I'm interviewing are groomed to have specific answers. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? Like I, I would do everything in my power to try to create this connection. And I felt like there was this level of this is what I'm, I'm allowed to say, almost like a politician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that stuff, though, because it's just because in a lot of ways we all do that, you know, depending on the circles. Like I was thinking, like how if you're like the types of things that you do, like you're we're all chameleons in a way. And sure. for me, you know, since I, you know, I'm coming from the Bronx and then I come out here and I'm writing, you know, and dealing with people who maybe I'm writing about fashion or, you know, or luxury, things that are insanely things out of out of my league in any way. In, in all in all sense of the way you know of the word, and I'm just and yet I'm still having these conversations that are very much sound bite, you know. Right. And yeah, I'm, what's going to sound I'm, good? I know. I love, but I love it in a weird way because it is like you're. We're all playing a role. It's all scripted. <laughs> but it doesn't feel like you know this conversation doesn't feel like that. So, no. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. No, Thank I you for not for not no. creating your your sound bites for me, or maybe I just maybe maybe this is all scripted and you're just so good at it. Um, no. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about your work with the uh, the radio show as well. I was saying before we we started recording uh, this show, the How the Why and uh, Literary Soundtrack are both around the same age. I think you started yeah. at the beginning of 2014 and, and so did I. Um, so how yeah. did that come about? They, um, so Ra- Ra- Radio Sombra is part of... Uh, oh, wait, hold on. It's All right, time out, wait. time out. <laughs> yes. um, I've, I didn't roll my, my R's when I was talking about it. Uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about... Uh, well, I guess literary soundtrack. You don't really roll your R's. I didn't say radio. Sombra. No, okay, radio, you said uh, it right. Talk a little bit. Talk a little bit about Radio Sombra. Yes. So Radio Sombra is based out of East Los Angeles, and it's a community-run radio station, and it's right by the Mariachi Plaza. So there's a storefront, and um, Espacio 1839 is a storefront. Um, they have gal. It's like a gallery as well, and then they have a radio radio station right there. 
And the guys who own it, it's a collective of like four people. And um, they approached me one time and they said, hey, you should do this. <laughs> and I was like, well, I've never been on the radio. I don't know. You know, I can interview people, but I don't know about that. And then they were like, yeah, it'll be easy. And so <laughs> I was like, okay. And then I did it. I, you know, I came up with a proposal of what I would like to do. And it's been great because I've been able to interview people that I want to speak to. Like, I, you know, I've, spoke, I've interviewed Matt, Matt Johnson, Victor LaBelle, Leila Lalami, um, all these great, like, literary um, authors of color who are producing amazing, amazing work. Um, and I get to speak to them about their writing, which... It, to me, you know, it's purely in a, in a way. In a way, it's a purely selfish move. Like I, I want to speak to them. <laughs> I want to sure. learn oh, as yeah. much as I can. <laughs> so it's a great opportunity for me, and and I get to read their their works, and it's always so much fun. And I think the last one I did, which was really great, was with Victor Laval, who has a new novella out. And you know, it's just it's a great opportunity for me, and I get to. Um, speak with my the fan you know I'm like a big fan I get to speak to the office that I love how do you go about uh finding and contacting your authors is it is it all you are you the one that does the whole thing mm -hmm. how much yeah, does Ra uh, Radio Sombra help you no I just do it all myself I mean it's been pretty easy I mean I guess in a sense not easy it's easy in the sense that I I have I'm really active in my community, in the literary community. So when I reach out to them, you know, I also have a journalism background. So it's not like I'm coming out of nowhere. Like I'm, sure. like I've been published. So, you know, so, so it's so far so good. I have rarely met a moment, like hit a roadblock where it's like, no, it's not going to happen. If anything, it's always scheduled. Um, but everyone's been super, you know, they're really forthcoming and gracious and allowing me to interview them. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, what do you have lined up? What do we have if any of our listeners want to go check out uh, Literary Soundtrack? That's the other thing, too, I wanted to, to mention. I'm just, like, interrupting myself. You, It's called Literary Soundtrack because you interview these authors, but you also talk about some of the music and play the music that has inspired them while they're working on yeah. their pieces. Yeah, I think is, that's a uh, really cool part. aspect. <laughs> Um, I love it because you, you never know who. Sorry, I was gonna say you no. never know what music they're gonna come up with. Like, it's, right? I think I've um, had like like weird country. Like I've had country music, and then I've had hip hop, rap music, and then classical music. Yeah, it's fun. It, I'm sure it surprises you too when they are like, "Oh, this is what I was listening to." Really? Wow. Okay. It's completely <laughs> not what I would expect. Um, right. What, what do you have lined up? Do you have uh, uh, authors? Do you? How far ahead of time do you uh, set up your interviews? Well, I, I, I mean, it's once a month, so it's you know, I, I'm always thinking of what of who I want to speak, and I try to tie it to the the what's coming out for the novel. You know, if they mm -hmm. have a novel coming out, I try to tie it around that time. Um, and I, so I have. Um, Alexander Chi, he has um, a new novel that's out now that just came out, like, I think last week. And it's called The Queen of the Night. It's epic and lush, and it's pretty amazing. It's about opera and divas and love. And so we spoke 
this this week, and he's he'll he'll be my next guest in March. And then I have Meg Medina, who's a young adult author who's won a bunch of awards, and she has a new novel called Burn Baby Burn, and she'll be my next um, next person that I'll be interviewing. And then after that, it'll be Sophia Samatar, who has a new novel called The Winged Histories, and that's like a fantasy, I think. I haven't started reading it yet, but she'll she'll be my next person. Wow. <laughs> so those are the so ones do, I can advance. Right. You always yeah. give yourself a couple of months. That's great. Yeah, um, you know, you're thinking of who's coming out with something new, and I'm always, like, super aware of, like, oh, I want to read that. You know, I want to read that novel that comes out. So. so it's kind of, like, a little self-serving to, ooh, I want to read that novel, and this will give me a reason to read it. Not that you need a reason to read, but... Uh, and then you also get to uh, indulge with talking to the writer, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to talk about uh, working as a judge for the Plaza Literary Prize. Now, when you get these manuscripts and you're able to read through them, so you have multiple brains, as if we've talked about we didn't really talk a lot about editing i think we talked more about that in our first conversation mm-hmm. but you, you're an editor you're a, a fan of literature like with your radio show and you're also an author so when you're reading these manuscripts which part of that brain takes over or is it a combination of all i mean i think i'm reading it like i like i read like i like i read all 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 pieces of literature like I am reading it as a person as a reader you know and I'm looking to see how I'm going to be connected to it if I get connected right away or not um and I of course like the editing voice in me I can't help that but I don't I think of that sometimes even when I'm reading I try not to even with my own personal things like oh I do this like I say this word all the time and they're doing that too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like they shouldn't be and I know I can't you know and all this like silliness I try to turn that off and just try to read the story and, and get involved and and I mean I love when you find like someone who's new or a new writer and you just like it's exciting like I teach this workshop uh it's a 10-week workshop for Penn Center USA and I teach it at a at a high school in South LA and the kids are just writing really short fiction and I get to read it afterwards. I take, I collect them, and it's super exciting. I get so amped up reading something new. Like these kids are creating new worlds, and maybe this is the first time. And some of them are saying some really brutally honest things in there, mm-hmm. even if it's fiction. And it, I don't know. I I'm so excited. I get excited when there's a new voice that I haven't heard, and I'm like, this is an opportunity. And being a judge, that's an opportunity for me to hear to get those voices to hear about that. So I'm always reading other people's stuff as well, like my my writing partners and just being able to, like, give feedback. But it's an excitement there. And, what and is also it? it's an honor. You're sure. being honored to, like, okay, you're going to send this in. That's a big accomplishment to just even do that, you know. And, you, yeah, and you're some of the first eyes that will uh... – ever see it so that's that's pretty exciting too um what turns you on in in literature and reading something new is it 
the language or the character development or the story or a combination of all three? What is it that you look for? What is it that excites you and compels you to read more? I know. Some, I feel like I'm always drawn to the voice. Like, I want to know. Like, I could do action, obviously. You know, I like action, um, like speculative fiction kind of action stories. But to me, it mm. always goes back to the voice and to that character and what, and that voice. Um, and it has to be strong. And the dialogue has to be strong. Because I, when it isn't, and, and I think of this especially with the young adult, when that dialogue doesn't ring true to me as a teenager, then I'm disconnected to it. Like it's immediate. Um, and so you could have this whole setting and this whole lush world, and it could be in, I don't know, Rome, you know, or it could be in the Bronx contemporary. It doesn't matter to me. Like to me, the voice has to be tr ring true to me. Um, and that is what you know, that's what gets me into the, into reading. Um, I mean, just that as an example, like the Queen of the Night was like 600 pages long. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I could do it. You know, <laughs> like this is a commitment. I don't know if I have the time to do it. But as soon as I started reading that person's character, the main character, her voice and her, it drew me in. And I was, I was like, yes, I want to go. I want to follow her journey, you know. So to me, that's important. Well, Lilium. Um, thank you again for taking the time to talk with us. It's always a lot of fun to, to chat with you. I say always. This is only the second time I've chatted with you, but it is. Both <laughs> times have been so much fun. Um, <laughs> thank you for having you're me. I'm glad that it worked out. <laughs> Education of no. Margot Margo Sanchez is coming out in 2017 from Simon & Schuster. Congratulations on that. And uh, uh, we're coming down to the wire. You know, I say that. I don't know when this will be posted. But at the time of recording, we're coming down to the wire for submissions for the Plaza Literary Prize. Maybe when this is aired, you're going to be uh, elbows deep in reading manuscripts. So we'll, we'll see. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> this is going to be good. It's going to be good. <laughs> Thanks again for having me. Absolutely. This has been The How, The Why by 1888. I'm John Barrett Ingalls. The show is produced by Kevin Stanek and yours truly, with production assistance by Sarah Becker. The music is Mayalua by Bossa Zuzu. I wanted to thank everybody for your creativity and your inspiration, and to remind you all to keep making art. Thank you.